from 23DB Production Studios in the Garden State, New Jersey. This is the Art of Music Tech with your hosts, Fela and Dennis. Let's go, let's go, let's go, and welcome to the Art of Music Tech podcast. I'm your host, Fela and Dennis. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dennis. How are you? Um, good. We just finished the session, right? I know. <laughs> we're, we're on the road uh, in Queens with the our guest in his home studio, um, the one and only Mr. Jermaine Beatdown McQueen. Woo! Hey. We know Jermaine as a drummer, producer, um, all around musician. Yeah, um, yeah, has quite a career. that's mm. still going, working oh, every night. God willing, God hey. willing, <laughs> putting yeah. together his new studio. Yes, yes that's where we at. Yeah, indeed. Just put down some drum tracks yeah. with. And 23DB East. <laughs> yeah. 23DB East, East. location. Exactly, you know? exactly. I knew you That's right, man. The, exactly. the New York, the New York, the satellite location of 23DB is in <laughs> Queens, New York. Yes, That's yes. That's right, man. Over here at the Beat Suite. That's right. All right. You know what Jermaine, mean? Um, give us a little bit about your background. We know you're a drummer. Um, right, and you're right. from Queens, so yeah, yeah. Tell us uh, how you got into this. Well, actually, you know, I'm a preacher's kid, and uh, so my whole family was church. Like, there's stories like my mom would tell people all the time. Like, I think I was born on a Thursday or Friday, and she said I was in I was in church that first Sunday. Like. I didn't stay in the hospital or nothing. They just took me and brought me right to church. So, like, from I didn't miss a Sunday for about a good yeah, 12, 13 years. All so, right. So definitely in the church, you know, and I started playing drums in the church when I was about four years old. And, um, you know, just watching other guys in my church, I was very, very blessed to be in a ministry that had a super rich music ministry my church was my first church was uh saint john's fire baptized holiness church and i was the home church of the late legendary timothy wright and uh funny story my mom used to actually date him <laughs> you know when they were kids because he came out of the same church that i came out of so you know a lot of great musicians uh rob robinson great producer and keyboard player you know worked with tons of grammy winning artists you know he was funny story like his mom was the organist there when i started playing drums because rob had you know blown up went on tour and left and his mom was like the choir director slash organ player and she was a beast man elmira robinson and it was crazy because i guess a lot of in hindsight a lot of my musical ability can be attributed to that situation because it was the most horrid situation for a young drummer to learn in because the drums were situated right in between the altar and the pulpit. So the drums are on the floor. but And somehow they put the organ all the way in the quiet stand and the, on the risers. So when the choir stood up, I couldn't see the organist at all. Amazing. So I could, I had to really develop my feel. 
and develop a really, really sensitive because I couldn't see signals. Like they couldn't give me any kind of signals. I couldn't no see communication. The, right. So I had to develop really quickly to learn really to hear and be sensitive to what I'm hearing and react to it without being able to see anything. Because most of the time, like the pulpit, like the pulpit was in front of me and the choir was in front of me. So that's two sets of people. So imagine like if it were like a big service and like 15 preachers were in the pulpit and like you had 30, like 50 choir people, like it was no chance I was going to see. <laughs> okay. So that, that, <laughs> you know? that definitely uh, develops yeah. the feel. Yeah, man. So, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. so from from the church, you go. How do you get into um, breaking into R and B? Well, sound like a, well, a lot of your... yeah, I, I was in church, and then uh, I got into high school. I went to Sheepshed Bay High School, and my junior high school had a gospel choir there, and the gospel choir was beast. I mean, like went to Italy, you know, two years in a row, and sang for the Pope at the Vatican on Christmas Eve beast wow yeah that's the level right like like that level so every level in my life it seems like i've been around it's like dope stuff like you know gospel fest all that stuff you know we were doing that when i was 14 15 years old yeah perfect age to do it too right (laughs) (laughs) so um from then um i uh i made friends with the student choir director there and then i started playing at her church and her church was um Christian Fellowship Life Center, and her, she was dating this kid named Rufus Jackson, this incredible bass player and drummer, and uh, got cool with him. And I was playing at their church for a while. <laughs> and kind of had a falling out there, and things didn't go too well. But I met my wife at that church, so it was pretty cool. So I was sitting home. What year was that? Oh, God, I'm not going to tell my age. I, oh, that had to be... Maybe, I want to say 95, 97. All right. Around there. And I met my wife. And I was dating my wife. And at that point, I had only known playing gospel drums in church. And maybe when I was a kid, I used to live in Coney Island in Brooklyn. And when I was about 15, there was this community center band that played across, rehearsed across the street. And the drummer at the time was the lead singer. He started, you know, he would double as the lead vocalist when the other lead vocals couldn't be there. So one day I wandered into the community center and ended up sitting in on drums. So ended up joining their band. And that was like the first time playing R&B music. Like we used to do gigs on the boardwalk and do weddings and stuff. And I was like 15 years old. These guys were like 30. <laughs> what did you play? What, what yeah, songs? Like before I like go, uh, the love. Of, oh my God, we did this wedding. Funny story. We did this really super Italian wedding, right? It was my first wedding I ever did, right? So this is in Bensonhurst, so we're at this catering hall. And um, we're playing, and I'm, I'm 15, bro. And we're in this game, drinks are flowing. And all of these big, hairy, greaseball mobster types is in there, and they're going crazy off of their soul music. So we go into the love I lost. The love I lost is a sweet love. You know, and we killing it. And this one dude gets up and is like, oh, my God, that's my, oh, my God, I love this song. Oh, my God. And he pulls out this wad of money. And he just starts throwing hundreds on the stage. And he was like, keep playing it. Just keep playing it. We played The Love I Lost for 90 minutes straight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
Oh man, so it's like you know, you like a lot of that in the church stuff. I developed stamina playing drums. <laughs> oh yeah, the hustle. You know, so, to, and the hey, hustle. That, this is how you wanted to make your money. So. Yeah. So then after after the church experience, I'm 19 and I started dating my wife, and my wife was still going to the church, but I wasn't. I was mad. I felt like used and abused and everything. My wife was like, "Listen, you have to do something because you're sitting around here." being really sad and it's not good so she found this ad she went and found one ad in the village voice and it was for this band alternative rock band i was looking for a drummer and they had a weekly gig in the village at uh 101 which uh, club 101 which is on 7th avenue south right there on the corner and it was like pretty dope spot so is it still there nah it's a gnc now gentrification is a bitch okay um (laughs) But uh, anyway, uh, I went to the audition, and you know it was a very interesting band. I'm not even gonna go into that story, but it was a dope situation. They had a six o'clock. They had a six o'clock, um, six o'clock slot, six to nine every Monday night, right? So I started playing this gig. You know, I'm like 19 years old, and uh, it, was, it was like a funk kind of Jamiroquai kind of. I wish I was something kind of band. I don't know. But the the dopest thing was the band that was after was this killer open mic band with like all of these A-list players. You had like Mike Campbell on guitar. You had like Artie Reynolds or Jerry Brooks on bass. You had this crazy keyboard player named Rico Tyler. You had like the late Sean Jamal or Melanie Daniels on vocals. So it was just a killer team all around. And they were the band that was going on after us. And at the time, Poogee Bell was playing drums. <laughs> so um, it was Poogee and this other guy named Damon Mendez. So one time, uh, you know, they, they had started coming in early and catching the end of my set. And they started, you know, really appreciating. And, oh, yo, young, young blood, yo, you sound good, whatever. I was like, okay, thanks, guys, or whatever. So one night... uh. Poojie got the call for Erica, and they, you know, that's when the calling Tyrone thing happened. So, Erica Badu. Yeah, yeah, Erica Badu. So um, he didn't show up for the gig, and they were stuck. They couldn't find anybody. So they came up to me, and they was like, hey, young blood, you want to make an extra $250? Full disclosure, my first gig was paying $75. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So they was like, all you got to do is leave your stuff up and jam out with us. I was like, okay. So I ended up that night. It was Mike Campbell on guitar. And it was uh, Artie Reynolds on bass, uh, Rico Tyler on keys, and uh, Sean Jamal on vocals. And it was amazing. I was so tight the first two sets. (laughs) It's a funny story. I was tight because I was like really super, super, super nervous the first set. And then uh, we took a break, and so I'm sitting at the bar, and Mike Campbell comes over to me, legendary guitar player, played with D'Angelo, played with uh, Angie Stone, played with, oh, my God, it's just, you know, uh, it's it's just ridiculous. So he comes up to me, I'm at the bar, and he's like, um, hey, me, I'm like, you sound real good, man. You, you know, you just need to relax yourself and everything's cool. So, yeah, so what you drinking? I was like, yeah, man, so, uh, yeah, just, you know, just two Cokes. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds good. Um, Excuse me, bartender. Let me get two shots of Jack. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, drink that right there with me right there. 
So I drank a shot of Jack, and it's like, you know, I wasn't really heavy drinking at the time. I'm 19, I'm at the church, and... You was know. it legal at 19? Right, yeah, so... <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, so, yeah, so, um, uh, you know, after three more shots, you know, let's just say the second set was a lot better than the first. <laughs> you got loose. <laughs> got really, really loose, and I was, I was in heaven, but then, and then I played the third set, and then the horror story kicked in, and this is like, like the highs and lows of the music business, so, like, this is my first night playing with this incredible band, and I felt like I was killing. I felt like I was amazing. I was like, yes, yes, I belong here. And then I see these strange lights pass in front and slow down in the front of the the, the um the, the spot we were at in the bar. It was a tour bus. Oddly, it's Blackstreet's tour bus. They pulled up, and the drummer was Gerald Hayward. <laughs> incredible 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 dude like i've been watching this dude ever since i was about eight years old played with um hezekiah walker on hezekiah walker's first out you know first gospel albums and had a very um extensive gospel resume and then went on to do a lot of pop stuff with like uh guy and teddy riley and uh angie stone and mary j blige and so he's like a drum god in our community so he rolls into my skin <laughs> He rolls into my first gig at the end of the night, and they're like, yo, let Gerald sit in. So all of that confidence that I had built up <laughs> was shot after a 25-minute Gerald Haywood drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> and all the shots, too. Yeah, <laughs> man. I sobered up real quick. And I was five oh, yeah, minutes into drilled. that sober. Five minutes into the sober solo, I lost the buzz. It was crazy. Back on your set. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, let me get back to this practicing I was trying to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was like that, that, that gig, that one gig right there led to my entire career. I met everybody at that bar. You know, I made great friends. I met Super Dave West there, great producer and drummer who I later became friends with. And uh, it was through him, you know, I got calls for Alicia Keys. I got calls for John Legend. Um, I got the call uh, for Lincoln Park. It was through him, um, you know, through extensions of friends through him, Farrell Monch. So all of that came from, you know, my friendship with him and also with uh, Andre Gill, who's a mega producer slash band director to the stars and put me in, in great places. You know, I was very blessed to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know. And uh, also just trying to be uh, ready when those opportunities presented themselves, you know? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And here we are in your studio in Queens. Yes, the Beat Suite. The Beat Suite. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so we've been doing uh, drum sessions with you. Uh, yeah. We've been... Uh, sharing equipment for a few years now. A few now. years. <laughs> Our co-op situation. Co I, love, I love you guys. We've played together, too. We've played live. together live. We've traveled okay. together. We've, uh, yeah. you know, went to, on our NAM adventure together. That was pretty uh, cool. Oh, yes. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, we man. We sure did. So, uh, you know, we met. I met uh, Dennis and Fela actually doing sound gigs. You know, really grueling sound gigs. That yeah. Start at like three o'clock in the morning. We would meet up. <laughs> like three o'clock in the crack of the door. Everybody's tired. And we'd be loading these trucks with oh, all this heavy gear. 
and then you know go and do the event and be coming back home in the morning five o'clock in the morning the next morning wedding and, gigs yeah and then in for the 250 bucks yeah you know? <laughs> after you done went to the wedding that you know these people spent a half a million dollars and you made 250 dollars <laughs> And you work 27 hours. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Wow. What are you yeah. going to do? The, the reality. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it, it kept the lights on. You yeah, know? It did. Yeah. I learned a lot, though. I mean, yeah. I was thankful personally. I think I'm thankful for that time because. That was the time when I met you guys. I, I almost like I pretty much had quit playing drums. I was really trying to focus on maybe starting a career as an engineer and getting more heavily into that. But then I started to see the other drummers that were making money. <laughs> and I was like, hey. Uh, go with what you're good at, right? Let me go on ahead and get this money because, and then what, what happened was after I worked 27 hours lifting up speakers and trudging through mud and dealing with horrible people's attitudes and all kind of stupid stuff, and I got $250, a crappy drummer would roll in the same gig at 6 o'clock play the gig or and later. be gone at 11 and make $900. So, yeah. We yeah, had, the numbers, yeah. Yeah, we decided <laughs> to go on ahead and get back into playing drums. <laughs> but as far as learning engineering, uh, a lot of mm -hmm. drummers have their own setup. They have right. a home studio yeah, to yeah. track drums for other people. Right, you have to. It's you essential. To. It's essential now in today's market because everything is such a fast turnover. And if you're a drummer, you know who has a setup in your home. You know people. You can do things on the internet and just send files out. You know, track as you need it. You know, me personally, I really love music and I love the process of creating. So I created a space. You know, when my friends can come over and we could just make music and, you know, jam out and make incredible stuff, you know, no pressure. But it seems, you know, music making in this particular piece of property has been very easy. You know, down through the years, I've had friends who, you know, this is like the latest incarnation of our studio. I've always had some sort of a workspace in this, in this piece of property. And every time I've had some sort of a setup, one time I had a few Akai DPS-12s and you know, um, running that through, you know, uh, a shitty SM Pro preamp for some mics and, you know, uh, using some uh, uh, MPCs and a record player and a few sims. And I had a little setup upstairs in my, in my little, it's about a six by eight kitchen. And uh, <sighs> that setup really didn't work for me. It didn't yield any progress for me, however, when I was on tour with Farrell Monch, there was a producer slash bass player by the name of Brandon Hodge who went in that same room and made fire that later ended up on an Ice Cube record. <laughs> so that was made in my house. And then I had another friend, Dave West, who was here, and he made a song in this very room up against that wall with an MPC, a record player, and a half keyboard that ended up on the Michelle and Degale cello record and another one that ended up on the Talib Kweli record. So, you know, yeah, history, history, yeah, man. So, I mean, before we even got any of this gear in here, people are already making music in here that's already placed, you know, yeah. so that's pretty dope. Dope, yeah. indeed. So I'm I'm excited about the p potential when we get it wired up in here and get everything. You got clots, you know, clots, cables, cables everywhere. The best <laughs> in go, the world. Cables. Let's go. 
Yeah. You know, I'm about to get these power, these fans, these power connectors y'all got up in here. Yeah, Wire World, yeah, Aurora. Man. You know, we I'm, use on our power. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, not only do you have to have great hardware, it has to be a great wiring right, as well. Right, it has to. So. It's essential, you know. <laughs> I mean, I like a lot of vintage stuff in my setup. Uh, I'm very simplistic, and I come, I'm kind of scatterbrained when I get into my creative process. And, you know, that's why it's great to have you guys around, because when you guys are here and we track and we work, it gives me the chance to just be an artist and be creative and just play drums or go sing or do whatever I'm doing, and you guys take care of uh you know, the engineering and the management mm -hmm. of the sound, and you guys do a great job with it. But it's it's really good to have good engineers. It's an invaluable thing to artists, to have people in the studio when you're creating who understand what you're trying to do and who make the process as simple as possible for you to create. You know, and, and having top flight gear is so much a part of that, you know? Yeah, actually, yes. we, mm -hmm. we did a video together yeah. a few years ago in, in, in this studio. In this so studio, yeah. <laughs> First time we were here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that video, it. man. Yeah. It was pretty gay we'll, stuff. We'll attach it to the summary. Yeah, um, word up. Yeah, so check that out. Yep. Uh, and you can hear on Mr. Beatdown. Yeah, man. I mean, it, um, it, it, I think it was, for, for me, it was great to meet you guys because I've always had great drums. You know, um, back when I was with the Spooks, back in about 2003, uh, I started a tour with them. I got my first endorsement because I, I didn't actually own a set of drums until I was 19. My wife bought me my first set of drums, and that's why I married her. Girls, that's ladies, there's a message there. I didn't have a drum kit until I was 19. I started dating my wife. She asked me about it, and it was the most gangster thing ever. She was like, yo, um, so where's the drum kit? You got a gig. I was like, I don't have a drum kit. She was like, hold on, you play, you plan to be a professional drummer. You don't own a drum kit. Get in the car. <laughs> and she took me to guitar. And she took me to uh, Sam Ash on uh, Kings Highway across the street from Kings Plaza, and she bought me a Yamaha Stage Custom drum kit. Yeah, you know, it was like an entry level. That was like, and then that's when they first came out on the market. And so, they were good, right? Yeah, man. They were good. Yeah, they were very great, road-worthy entry-level drums. Those drums were all over this country. I put those drums in my car and I did so many gigs with those drums. You know, it's five hundred dollars well spent. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, when you, you make know, the money back, right. it's all about that. And then I married the girl. I married her. <laughs> okay, so sure it worked out her. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but then got after, a drum kit and a wife. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then after that, when I got and the a career <laughs> and the career, then I got this. I had that kit all the way up until I got the Spooks gig, and then I got the cannabis endorsement. And I started uh, playing cannabis drums, which are amazing drums. They're made in Japan uh, by uh, a great uh, person there. And uh, then that extended to getting the Xavier Symbol endorsement, Gibraltar Hardware endorsement, Audix mics, and Aquarian drum heads. So, uh, you know. And again, yeah, you can see all of that in the video that we oh have yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the, you. All the drum equipment. Yeah. The drum equipment is crazy. Yes. Um, and the name of the track again, Dennis? Uh, Don't Stop Me, I yeah. believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, also, yeah. look out for Panther Jones, Panther man. Jones, that's We got an LP coming out. Also, look out for the Rocky Walker Project, RWP. Another Let's band go. I'm part of. Everybody has original music coming out. We're all over the tri-state area doing venues. I'm playing every night. So, you know, follow us on Instagram and see where we're at. And let's make it happen. 
Yes, yes, yes. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Beatdown. Oh, my pleasure's mine. Oh, uh, we'll my. be back. We'll, we'll do another episode for Let's sure. Let's get it. Yeah. You know I can talk. Sure. I yeah. know I can talk. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, straight from Queens. Yeah, yeah. Um, always a good time to be around you. Same here. Down. Love y'all, man. Love yeah. you too, Beatdown. That's great. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please share, uh, leave comments on iTunes. It helps people find us. Uh, thank you for sharing and getting it out there. Um, we're looking forward to bringing more guests like the wonderful Beatdown. Let's go. And, uh, yes, thank you for listening. Follow (laughs) us on, uh, Facebook, uh, 23DV Productions, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Beatdown, what's your... Well, Tags. you can follow me on Mr. Beatdown on Instagram, um, King Beat on Facebook, and uh, you know, uh, follow me there, and then we can link up with everything else. So, you know, also you can find me through Twenty Three DB. You know, exactly. I'm family. all I'm over family. our YouTube. You know? Please subscribe oh, to that yeah. as well. That's uh, right. Many of videos and Let's music go. we made with him over the years. So, yeah. uh, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. And hey, everybody, continue to let's go. Let's go. Let's go. For more information of booking 23DB Productions, visit their website at 23dbproductions.com. Like and follow 23DB Productions at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for the latest work. <laughs>